have a patient, we put a drop in, we get a response. So it's it's the patients who respond to uh, to near vision. And what we looked at was anywhere between one line of, of improvement in near vision to three lines improvement of near vision. So then we asked the question, if you had a response, so we start out with 100% of, of patients who responded to topical pilocarpine, and we watched how long did it take before that that benefit, that improvement in near vision went away. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I'm going to take a slight departure from our usual guest interviews to discuss a poster presentation I had last week with Dr. Shane Kinnar and others that we presented at the American Academy of Optometry in New Orleans. So it's an analysis of the Virgo trial related to topical 1.25% pilocarpine with BID dosing, twice a day dosing. And so please enjoy this episode. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends and support those who support us. I wanna discuss the Myday Toric contact lens for a minute. When I'm reaching for a daily lens for my patients, I need to know that it will be re- available in parameters that I want and it needs to work. This improves my chair time and my patient satisfaction. The Myday Toric features the same optical lens design features as the most prescribed monthly replacement Toric lens on the market. Myday Toric now completely mirrors the Biofinity Toric's parameter range. To be clear, if you find the parameter in a Biofinity Toric, you can find it in a Myday Toric. This Toric lens design is multifaceted to ensure optimal visual acuity, lens stability, fit, and comfort. Its uniform horizontal ISO thickness and wide ballast band quickly orient the lens for better performance and simplified fitting. The Myday material is CooperVision's softest one-day silicone hydrogel lens and features Aquaform technology combining a unique balance of high oxygen permeability and natural wettability. The result is a highly breathable lens that keeps our patient's eyes looking clear, white, and healthy. So if you haven't started utilizing Myday Toric in your practice, I'd encourage you to reach out to your CooperVision representative to get started. Getting young presbyopes into progressive lenses can be tough, but it doesn't have to be. Verilux Liberty 3.0 lenses are an introductory solution for new and young presbyopes, and they are available in select ad powers. This lens provides all-in-one balanced vision for an accessible and great first-time progressive lens wearing experience. Learn more about Verilux Liberty 3.0 lenses and get free resources to help start the progressive lens conversation with young presbyopes at slorepro.com slash Verilux. As I was going over my final reviews of this poster, I thought it would be an interesting podcast episode. And ultimately, the question we were asking is, how long does topical 1.25% pilocarpine improve near vision after the first line gain or after their, that patient gains a certain number of lines? Essentially, how durable is the near vision gain with topical 1.25% pilocarpine? I think this is interesting clinically because it can inform us about what we would share with our patients about the effectiveness of a medication. And when you're thinking about BID dosing, which is now the indication or is now indicated for uh, topical 1.25% pilocarpine, 
it's interesting to say, okay, well, when do you th- when are you probably going to need your next dose? Uh, I think that's helpful when we're talking to a patient. Is there a window range of when they might need a second dose if they have a good response to the first dose? So I, I think I find it's interesting to have these types of conversations up front with the patient. I think it's helpful. It starts them off on the right footing. So the title of this poster is Kaplan-Meier analysis of the mesopic distance corrected near visual acuity gain duration with pilocarpine ophthalmic solution, 1.25% dose twice daily in the Virgo phase three study. And I, I want to start off by explaining what a Kaplan-Meier analysis is in a little more detail. But in terms of I that I think as a clinician is a little bit easier to think about. And so here goes. A Kaplan-Meier analysis helps us figure out how long something takes to happen or how likely it is to happen over time. And so, you know, to simplify this, um, I want to think about this as far as like light bulbs. You can think about, all right, we can think about for medications as well, and we do in this case, but maybe to a more generalized audience, um, because we do have quite a few people who are listening that that, um, are a little outside the realm of clinicians like we are, but so we're going to use the example of light bulbs. So how long does it take for a light bulb to burn out? So first we gather data. That's the Virgo trial. We gather, gather data about when light bulbs burn out. So we just plug a light bulb in a completely uh, unused light bulb. And we're going to make the assumption that for each light bulb, we look at how long it lasted or whether it burned out or not during that study period. So we're going to organize that data. So we'll plug a bunch of light bulbs in and then measure when they first burn out. And then we're going to organize that data from the shortest lasting light bulbs to the longest lasting light bulbs. And at the beginning, we're going to assume that all those light bulbs are working 100%. So you're going to enter in. So if you plugged in a light bulb that didn't work initially, you're just not going to count it in this study. And so as we go along, we look at each light bulb. And when it burns out, we adjust our assumption. So if 10 of 100 light bulbs burn out, we say, okay, we have a 90% survival rate. And then we're going to plot this out on a graph. And uh, that graph with a time axis, uh, which is the x-axis, and a survival rate, which is the percent of light bulbs remaining on, on a y-axis. So the result kind of looks like a stair-step graph when we're looking at the steps they drop down whenever a light bulb burns out. And so obviously then it tells us, this graph tells us how long on average a light bulb lasts before burning out. We can also compare different brands of light bulbs. We can compare, you know, different wattage of light bulbs and and figure out which one might last longer. So the Kaplan-Meier analysis allows us to keep track of how long things last and shows it on a graph so we can understand when and how long those you know light bulbs die or stop working. So I think it's helpful for comparing different things in or different groups to see which one might last longer. So in this analogy, we would always also just plug take out light bulb and put in um, pilocarpine 1.25%. So we we have a patient, we put a drop in, we get a response. So it's it's the patients who respond to uh, to near vision. And what we looked at was anywhere between one line of, of improvement in near vision to three lines improvement of near vision. So then we asked the question, if you had a response, so we start out with 100% of, of patients who responded to topical pilocarpine, and we watched how long did it take before that that benefit, that improvement in near vision went away. 
And so as an overview, uh, we all know that 1.25% pilocarpine induces contraction of the iris sphincter, which leads to pupillary constriction, and it preserves some level of pupillary response to varying light conditions, which obviously then the advantage is that it ensures some sort of adaptability to different environments. And the Virgo trial was a, a phase three multi-center double masked study. Its primary aim was to evaluate the safety and effect efficacy of 1.25% pilo when administered both eyes twice a day over a 14 day period in patients who have presbyopia. Our poster did not specifically evaluate the safety, but the safety data of 1.25% pilo BID was contained within the Virgo study and has been previously published. Uh, so there was no ex unexpected safety findings, severe or serious treatment, emergent events, or cases of retinal detachment, vitreous detachment, retinal tear, or vitreomacular traction within that 14-day period. So what were our methods? Well, the Virgo study, which focused on patients between the ages of 40 and 55 with presbyopia, the participants were randomly assigned in a one-to-one -one ratio to receive either one drop of pilocarpine, 1.25%, or vehicle uh, in each eye. There was um, about 115 patients in each arm of the study. Uh, they would receive it twice daily with a six-hour gap between doses over a 14-day period. We monitored visual acuity, specifically improvements of three lines or more, two lines or more, one line or more in, in um, distance corrected near visual acuity. We assessed at a distance near vision at a distance of 40 centimeters on day 1, 7, and 14, at several time points. So we'll talk about those time points later on, but that just give us uh, an idea of when those that vision faded. For the analysis, time zero was defined as the moment at which the patient achieved that desired line gain in their near visual acuity. And the event of interest, which is the failure, was the first instance when a patient could not maintain or failed to maintain that same game. Gain. That would be called a relapse or when, if you were thinking about it as a light bulb, when it burned out. So th the duration of the treatment's effect in hours was calculated from the first line gain until a first relapse or the end of a nine-hour visit for patients who had not relapsed by the time they were considered censored. So if they hadn't relapsed after nine hours, then they, we were done with that, with that patient on that specific visit. So the maximum visit duration was nine hours and the specific durations of gain depending on the day and the level of improvement were assessed between eight and nine hours with comparison made against the baseline. So the results of this paper showed that on the first day, patients who achieved a gain of at least three lines experienced a median relapse time of three hours, while those with a gain of at least two lines had a median relapse time of five hours. However, for those who achieved a gain of only one eye, line, the duration was observed for greater than eight hours, indicating that these gains were more sustained, obviously. On the seventh day of treatment, patients achieving gains of at least three lines and two lines experienced a medium relapse time of five hours. So that's kind of interesting because, you know, as we get one week in that the patients who got better lines gain, right, they gained three hours uh, at the at the first day visit, they only, they had they had a relapse of three hours. Now, after one week, they've got a relapse of five hours. And then the one-line patients uh, continue to benefit for more than nine hours. And by day 14, two weeks, 
the patients who gained three lines had a median of five hours, so they stayed stable. And the patients who gained two lines had an extended duration of more than nine hours, demonstrating the durability of these improvements. And importantly, the secondary administration or the second administration of the 1.25% PILO further prolong that duration of improved vision. And so based on these findings, it would be expected that a median relapse time following the second dose will be similar uh, and probably extend beyond that nine-hour study period, showcasing the sustained impact of that treatment on near vision for patients with presbyopia. But I want to dive a bit deeper into the numbers. So on day 14, patients who had received a three-line improvement in near VA uh, a little bit less than 60% of them still had a three-line improvement at hour three. Okay, so that's 60% get three hours. So that could be a conversation that you'd have with a patient is um, if you get a significant improvement of your vision, it's probably going to last for about 60% of patients by about three hours. Patients who got a two-line improvement of near VA, about 80% of those patients still had a two-line improvement at hour three. And the patients who had a one-line improvement in near VA, about 90% of them had a one-line improvement at hour three. And so what I think is interesting about this, or I'll get into uh, our six data as well, but what I think is interesting about this is that the stronger the response, the less duration uh, occurs within that response. So that might mean that if we get a really good response in near VA for a patient, they may need to administer another um, drop at uh, sooner than a patient who gets a little bit less strong response. So I think that's a, a helpful thing to think about. My patients with macular degeneration want clear and succinct recommendations from me related to products and solutions that can benefit their long-term ocular health and vision. To do this for my patients, I need to be confident that what I'm recommending will have a benefit to them. And that's why my supplement of choice is MacuHealth. MacuHealth is specifically formulated and clinically proven to rebuild and maximize macular pigment over a lifetime. This results in enhanced visual performance and aids in the treatment and prevention of age-related macular degeneration. I've discussed carotenoid absorption on this podcast with Dr. Nolans and Stringham, and MacuHealth uses a patented process called micromycel technology. And this technology is clinically proven to increase carotenoid concentrations at the target tissue and deliver the highest level of bioavailability studied to date. MacuHealth has been great for my patients. We really feel like we have the ability to help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. If you're not utilizing MacuHealth for your patients, check it out for yourself by contacting your MacuHealth representative. The most common questions I get include, what ophthalmological codes or evaluation and management codes should I use? What ICD-10 codes do I need to bill with this CPT code? What CPT codes can be billed together and what can't? And my favorite, how do I manage a patient who has diabetes who comes in for a quote-unquote routine eye exam? These questions really highlight the confusion and uncertainty that serves as a daunting hurdle for providers, makes it more challenging for them to care for their patients and provide those patients with the best opportunity for a lifetime of ocular health and clear vision. That's why we built iCode Education, for this specific purpose. Our mission is to provide optometrists with resources to help you understand disease states, revenue cycles, and billing and coding so that you can put that on autopilot and truly care for your patients. 
check out iCodeEducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E Education.com. We've developed a premier billing and coding bundle that includes all of our billing and coding resources in one place. We also have a 10% discount code just for listeners of this podcast. Enter the coupon code E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A-22 at checkout. We'd love to work with you. Check out iCodeEducation.com. Okay, so let's look at hour six on day 14, the patients who had a three-line visual acuity near VA improvement. A little less than 40% of those patients has still had a three-line improvement at hour six. So that's where we get our three to six-hour window. Patients who had a two-line improvement in near VA, a little less than 60% of them still had a two-line improvement at hour six. And patients who achieved a one-line improvement in near VA, about 80% of those patients still had a one-line improvement at hour six. Again, this supports that second dose at about three to six hours after the first dose. As far as clinical impact goes, I think it's helpful to think about this that, again, the stronger the response for improvement of near visual acuity, meaning three lines gain versus one line gain, could help us predict those patients who gain three lines will probably need a drop sooner to maintain that near visual acuity than those patients who only gain one line. They may not need another drop for eight to nine hours. So a more modest response may mean more durability. Ultimately, I think that most likely this is probably related to overall pupil size, but we didn't evaluate that in our our study. So I think it'd be, or in our poster, and I think it'd be interesting to, you know, look at that as a follow-up. So did patients with smaller pupils at baseline and after pilo administration have better near visual acuity than patients with larger pupils? I haven't seen the data, but there's always next year to do that poster, I suppose. Uh, Another interesting conclusion was that the durability of the near response increased over that 14-day period. And this effect has been previously reported by Dr. Chris Levins at SCO and and could be either physiologic, but I think it's more likely to be almost like a neuroadaptation response. So where patients just get used to the way their vision functions at near. A critical evaluation of these findings would consider factors just in general. So I want to throw this out, you know, in general, when you're evaluating a study, you want to think about the following factors that may um, limit the findings uh, of the study. So limit the clinical application of, of that, of those findings. So study design, sample size, duration, real world uh, applicability, potential bias, ethical considerations. Um, and so I think that's important for you to, to think, uh, think about. So, uh, as that, I want to approach this the same way. Since I was an author of the paper, I want to think about this with a critical eye and sort of expose you to some of these potential um, biases that could occur. So when I think about that, the flaws or the potential flaws of the study, I think it's important to think about, you know, one first is that one of our authors was an employee at AbbVie at the time of the analysis. Dr. Scott Schachter. Um, The study uh, visits occurred on days 1, 7, and 14. And while this provides some initial insights into the short-term effectiveness of the medication, it doesn't necessarily tell us about what's going to happen long-term to that effectiveness. But, you know, you could draw, so you could draw on additional conclusions based on previous experience with longer-term utilization of the medication within, since since Vuity was released, but also... um, you know, it'd be interesting to see a longer-term study related to the durability of near response. My suspicion is that it probably isn't going to get less. It may only get better with time or, or, or would be interesting to see 
does that time that it it continues to improve even go beyond the 14-day period or beyond a 30-day period or a six-month period? It'd be interesting to see. So I like to do this type of analysis when I read papers is actually kind of lay out those bullet points in general to help me break down what I think it means to my clinical practice. And I hope it was helpful to you as well. I'd like to know your insights and experience. So please make sure you comment and share. Have a great week. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.